You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. This is Kurt Sumner, your host for NSPS Radio Hour. Thank you for joining us again today. We're looking forward to a good conversation. And um, I was going to introduce my guest, but I guess maybe I should start by calling him our mystery guest. Uh, only because I want them to introduce themselves. <laughs> so, uh, but I will tell you that they are the two candidates for uh, vice president in the upcoming NSPS election. And I hope everybody who's listening has received their ballot, their email ballot. And uh, and also hope you haven't voted yet because you haven't had a chance to hear our two candidates speak. So that's that's why we're here today. So with that, I'm going to start with our our first candidate, who is from New Hampshire. So, Mark. Well, good morning, Kurt. Uh, my name is Mark Sargent, and I am from New Hampshire. I am a licensed land surveyor up here, and I have a small company in Concord, our state capital, and uh, practice throughout the state of New Hampshire. Um, also. A member, currently a member of the executive committee of NSPS, and uh, in the past has served as secretary to the board of governors, and also as chairman of the board of governors. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mark. And uh, our next candidate is Dan. Good morning. Thank you, Kurt. Um, yes, Dan Martinez. I've been the Nebraska governor slash director for about the past five years, so I joined NSPS around 2012. Um, I'm located in Fremont, Nebraska, which is a town of about 25,000, located about 30 miles from Omaha. Uh, I've been, my work experiences included working with a larger engineering firm and now working with my own company. Uh, I uh, currently serve on one of the subcommittees to external affairs, the FEMA committee, and uh, look forward to continued you know, involvement with the NSPS members. Oh, I also want to say that when I first joined and showed up for my first meeting as a new governor out in uh, out in D.C., um, Mark was one of the first people. I think he and Rick Howard approached me and made me feel quite comfortable and uh, took me under their wing. So I always thank them for that. Well, thanks, Dan. So I guess it's safe to say that this is not going to be one of those uh, uh, elections like we have in the political arena otherwise where um, some unknown person is going to pop on the line and tell something horrible about one of the candidates. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, we, we're, we're not going to have that happen. We, we restrict the, our access to our radio show phone numbers. So <laughs> we're not going to let that happen. on there yet, so. Yeah, you know, Dan, what you just said is is so true, I think, across the board about NSPS and, and its leadership team and its members. Um, I think sometimes people get the sense that whether it's at the local chapter level or whether it's at the state level or whether it's at the national level, when people get into leadership, particularly uh, the upper levels of leadership, I don't know what it is, but sometimes other people look at it as an us-and-them kind of thing. <laughs> And and they sort of forget that we're all really the same. Um, some people are just uh, get involved to help make sure that things move along and and are serving their other members and 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 
I don't, I'm not sure why that happens, but I think it happens probably in every organization. It certainly happens in, in just normal life, I think, when people get into leadership. But the thing you said about Mark and, and Rick Howard, who, who was mentioned, Rick's also on our board and been on our board for a long time now. He's on the foundation. That's just the kind of people that are in NSPS leadership, just all really good people who care and care about each other and welcome everybody who comes through the door. Um, and, and I just wanted to stress that because sometimes uh, you probably you guys are uh, you've been in leadership in your state organizations and local organizations long enough to know that there's just this dynamic sometimes that comes up and that's one of the things we strive to do in NSPS I think is to to drive that down and let people know that we're all we're all the same kind of people and I, either of you is welcome to comment or not about that. Well, I, I agree, Kurt. This is Mark and. Um, I tell uh, all uh, the, the landscapers here in New Hampshire that you know, being part of NSPS is probably one of the uh, one of the best kept secrets around. I mean, I uh, you know have served as the director slash governor from New Hampshire for the past ten years, and have met some really great folks from all over the country, and uh, some from different parts of the world. And uh, there's just such a camaraderie with, uh, between all of us. Uh, that we all seem to to get along and have a lot in common and uh, enjoy what we do. Yeah, it's inspiring, isn't it? Because you do that, like you said, NSPS. It seems like the membership or the the, the individuals that are involved from the various states are represent a perfect cross section of what you see at your state level, typically, both from large firms, academia, small firms, and uh, I find it quite. Uh, uh, encouraging, and they provide me with energy when we go to our business meetings, and uh, it's a great support group, if you want to call that, too. Very true. I, I know, uh, I think for the most part, at least over the years I've been involved, which is boring, I guess, well, passing 30 years now uh, in involvement in NSPS, um, I think people tend to... Uh, Come from leadership already in the most in most cases, people who who get to NSPS back in the day governorship or NSPS directorship now have typically I think been involved in their state society and oftentimes maybe even a majority of times I don't know have served in leadership there, um, and and I think that's probably true for you two guys. I I've often said that when I became the NSPS governor from the Virginia Society back in the late 80s, I, I was probably the, the least prepared person in the world to, to do something like that because I'd never been uh, an officer in my state. Uh, I was on the on board as a regional rep, but I'd never been president or secretary or anything of my state. And my sense is that most of the people who get into leadership have gone through that and already have some some leadership experience. And and I'm I'm not speaking for you both, but I I'm pretty sure that's true for both of you. Yeah, yeah um, I served as the president of the New Hampshire Landscapes Association back a number of years ago. Now I think it was 2004. But you know, same process as NSPS. You start off as uh, a vice president, president elect, uh, president, and then past president. So it's a four year commitment and uh, right after I think I took a year off from a leadership role and then uh, the the director's position or governor's position for NSPS became open in our state and I, I ran for that position unopposed and uh, have been on the board since then um, 
and so I've served on the New Hampshire Land Surveyors Board for the past 14, 15 years now. And, uh, enjoy doing it and enjoy seeing uh, some of the young people now starting to step up to the plate and, and getting on board with leadership positions. I've seen that happen here also. Uh, currently, I'm actually finishing my second year as president of a Professional Surveyors Association of Nebraska. Um, obviously, in our state, the population level and the number of land surveyors in our, within our society is probably obviously one of the smaller ones in the country, but I served as president back around 2002 also. But I've seen and witnessed some new energy amongst I call them young surveyors. They they see themselves as mid mid aged, but I, I see them as young <laughs> surveyors. But the way that um, those committees that they're involved with have uh, really taken off, and we have a GIS committee that now is stronger than ever. Uh, education committee, uh, uh, public relations, you might call it. Uh, we don't call it that, but I know that at the NSPS level we call it. And the uh, influence from the NSPS committees that I've seen has helped those committees, I think, uh, really take off and turning over the reins to some new, younger leadership and feel quite confident that our state society is moving in the right direction. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you talk about the committee structure because over time you see differences back and forth in terms of uh, involvement and what committees are doing. And, and too often it's easy for committees to get formed and then because of the the proximity to each other, uh, except for two times a year, um, it's always been hard to maintain uh, synergy or energy within within those committees. I think, and obviously, social media has helped in that regard tremendously. So that I think now, uh, to a pretty large degree, our committees are are more active. I think than they have been in the past, and more dedicated to the to the task, or not dedicated, but more involved. With each other, I think so. Uh, I'm I'm pleased that that's part that's part of the transition, and and I agree with what you've both said. I think bringing in that young surveyors group has helped facilitate that. Um, they they seem to come to it because they want to get things done, and not to say that our leadership doesn't want to get things done, but it's kind of a different dynamic because in a lot of cases for them this is their first foray into it, so they're all giddy and excited <laughs> and haven't been through some of the the wars, if you will, that that a lot of us came through uh, through our own state leadership. So uh, I agree that that moving that forward, and that's, that's a, uh, I think, a, a really important task that you guys are going to face uh, at, in, in the officership is making sure that that, that committee structure stays strong and, and people stay motivated. Um, and I don't know what your thoughts are on that, having been on committees yourself. I, but I sense that sometimes in the past we haven't been as good at at from leadership or from staff in making sure everybody was <coughs> excuse me not only motivated but well informed about what's going on. No, yeah, I mean you're right, Curtis Mark, and I think Lisa uh, Van Horn, who is our current vice president and heads up uh, the committees, all the committees, has done a fabulous job in getting those organized and structured and uh, making sure people are on task and and things are getting done. And you're exactly right. When when I first joined NSPS, I was on a few committees, and communication was, was rather scattered and sometimes 
you know, usually didn't happen until we had our actual face-to-face meetings twice a year, but uh, now we can communicate through uh, um, emails and Facebook and what have you, and I think a lot more is getting accomplished. I agree. It's, it has turned a corner. There's a uh Within the leadership of NSPS, not to, to, to speak uh, or to indicate or say that the past leadership didn't, but there is an, uh, a new priority, it seems like, to, to be more proactive and to have uh, members within the committee that are willing to keep the ball moving forward. And Lisa's committee, Public Relations Committee, obviously has done great things. Uh, we've seen more public they're aware of our activities because of the stuff that's been published. Uh, we had uh, something put in the paper here locally regarding a, past, a summer seminar we had this past summer, and it ended up making the national news. Um, and I hate to interrupt, Dan, but believe it or not, we're at our first break. All right. So we'll, let's go to that. Let's come back and pick up on that topic when we come back because it is an important one for us to discuss, I think. So let's go to our break. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Field books. There is a difference, and the difference is made in the USA by family-owned and operated Bogside Publishing in New Hampshire. For over 38 years, the family business has produced the finest, most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable field books in the land surveying and engineering industry. Demand the best from your supplier, Bogside Publishing Field Books. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com. That's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quick stakes today. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Bogside Publishing. For over 38 years, this family-owned New Hampshire business has manufactured the most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable made-in-the-USA field books for the land surveying and engineering industry. And Bogside Publishing is still doing it today. Demand Bogside Field Books from your supplier or go to bogsidepublishing.com for a list of exclusive Bogside dealers. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. As we were going to break, Dan, you were talking a bit about the committee structures and some of the stuff that Lisa, and for the people who are listening on the radio who don't know who Lisa is, Lisa Van Horn uh, is our current uh, vice president, soon to be president-elect. And uh, she's, uh, as these two guys with me know, and people who have heard Lisa when she's with me on the show or know her, she's she's one of those very active people who likes to get things done. And, and so 
it's been good to have that impetus. I, you know, I think there's a combination of things going on. I think that the introduction of the young surveyors into our framework has energized a lot of people just because of their enthusiasm and um, their expectation. Um, I think young people now have an expectation coming into things maybe differently than, than I might have or maybe you guys, even though you're a lot younger than I am. But still coming in, I think they have an expectation of we're going into an organization and things are going to get done, not I'm going into the organization, I hope to figure out what they're doing. <laughs> so I, I think that's been helpful. And so anyway, Dan, you were, I don't know if you want to follow up on that or not before we move sure. on. I'm glad that you... Uh uh, wouldn't be on me just calling her Lisa, but yeah, I, I, we all make the assumption that everybody knows Lisa. <laughs> but no, she's done great things with, uh, as Mark mentioned, the uh, the committees and the tasks that they're assigned with and having them report back. Uh, but like her public relations committee, um, they've done a wonderful job of creating a public relations uh, competition for each of the state societies to compete in, which is wonderful projects within states that uh, both share the information within, within the surveying profession, but it also gets our face out in the public and people, more importantly, uh, get introduced to land surveyors and know more about what we do and, and how we can, how we better or how we serve them. Um, and that's happened here. We had a great um, summer seminar that ended up, like I said, on the national news. And uh, I'm sure the Nebraska surveyors will be submitting that at the public relation uh, competition later this year or next year. Yeah, you mentioned programs, uh, Dan. I'm, I'm sure our, our audience are interested in, in your perspectives about, you know, we have a ton of things going on um, in, in the various programs, whether it's our CST program or Trigstar or hydrographic certification or whatever. The, I mean, there's a ton of things that we're doing. I'm just interested in, in your, the both of you thinking about those. And um, we constantly try to figure out how to make them better. I'm just curious about your perspectives on those um, your, or maybe your thoughts about them. Oh, I think they're great programs. And as far as um, someone saying that they're a little secret of, I think Mark mentioned that about uh, all the great people involved in SPS. We don't want this to be a secret, but it is part of the NSPS membership and part of the whole uh, society. Uh, and I know that so many states do a great job with all those programs. That's something I want to build on here in Nebraska. We haven't, uh, and it hasn't been uh, something that we've been energized. We haven't just conveyed that to our members as well as we should have. But I know they're, they're great programs. And, you see the people that are involved with that at our annual at our business meetings, and they're those individuals that are full of energy and making sure those programs are benefiting our membership. Yeah, and I would agree with you, Danny. It's, uh, the CST is, is a great program, as well as the Trigstar. Um, Trigstar has been uh, fairly successful here in New Hampshire. There's a lot of uh, of our members that participate in that. And uh, John Shagnon, um, who was the NSPS governor a couple before me, was one of the first uh, proponents of, of Trigstar. And, uh, he still makes sure that uh, it is it's followed up here and uh, through our members. Uh, CST, similar uh, as Nebraska. 
Nebraska, here in New Hampshire, we haven't uh, had a whole lot of success just because, unfortunately, we just don't have the uh, testing facilities to do that. Uh, but it is something that we are working on. Again, I do think it's, you know, it's a great program. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, Kurt, I mean, you mentioned the young surveyors, and uh, the young surveyors ha- have been a, a great asset to our uh, association. Uh, they are, you know, when they show up at the meetings, they are full of energy. Uh, they're enthusiastic, and uh, they, they have no fear coming up to you and talking to you uh, about uh, almost anything. And uh, I really enjoy having them at our meetings. Uh, I really enjoyed meeting uh, a whole cross-section of them th- uh, throughout the country. I think you make a really good point about that, not being uh, timid. I so often, and you know, pe- people look at look at us as surveyors sometimes as though we're introverts, and I don't know maybe that's true to some degree. But but just the fact that they are so energized, and 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 you know, you think back. I'm sure you guys think back like I do. When you first got involved, you were kind of just sort of standing around the edges, waiting to see what was happening. But these, these folks are really, really uh, eager. They sure are. They are. They. I mean. I was unaware, you know, when, when they when it was a, a new group as young surveyors uh, were starting to form, that you learned that these are young professionals. These are licensed individuals. These are people that are succeeding in their profession in their, you know, whatever region of the country they're working in. And you had mentioned earlier, Kurt, that they're doers, and they are. And I think, I think NSPS, from what I've seen, has done a great job of just not getting in their way because they'll come in and they may bring up an important issue or point, but they know not only bring it up, they also handle it and take care of it if, if uh, given the opportunity. Yeah, that's actually a really great point because they don't come up with an idea and stand around and wait to see if you're going to do anything about it. Right. <laughs> they, they, sure don't. they tackle it. Yeah, and uh, it's been nice to see some of them attending uh, the various committee meetings at at our meetings too. Yeah, you know, one of the things I want to want to make sure we share with people today, and this applies to both of you, um, is the fact that sometimes people look at organizations, whether whatever level it is, but certainly at, at the national level, of oh, those guys up there, they're they're probably just you know they work for a big company or they work for the government and. Somebody's covering their back, and they can do what they want to do or whatever. But you two are perfect examples of the type of people who bring that dedicated service to the profession and the NSPS as small business owners. And I, th- I think that's a really important element for people to understand is that there's, there's, a, there's a, a level of sacrifice here that you're willing to, to put forward, and it, it's not like you have a, a necessarily a big uh, government or corporate entity. You you still have to run a business. <laughs> oh, very true. Um, you know, I, I have some great employees, and that's what uh, allows me to attend those meetings and and uh, spend time away from my business. And what's nice with the uh, the advent of being able to get online, uh, no matter where you are, you can still uh, run your business in the evenings, uh, even if you're at a meeting in Frisco, Texas. Uh, but it is certainly, you know, somewhat of a, a sacrifice that you have to make in order to uh, to be not only or to, not just at the national level, but also at the local level, to or state level, to be on uh, an organization. 
Yeah, those are that is a great point. And as professionals, we, we well, I should say, at our state level, we each see that we kind of have the same kind of percentage of people that are typically, usually, always involved with the day to day or the the running of the society, serving and giving of their time. Uh, and I know we're all trying to figure out a magic formula to involve others or more, and at the same time not appear or definitely don't want to be uh, preventing people from serving. But, uh, you know, I think we all owe it as professionals to serve and give back to our profession, both at the state and national level. And I just find that, you know, in that part of giving, you, you receive a lot back, and that, that's the part that I think people sometimes don't realize. I wholeheartedly agree with you, Danny. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, that organizations like NSPS look at is, is what's going on in the world, and particularly at, in, at the, on a national scale of legislation or regulation or whatever the case may be, as it impacts our, our um, members and our profession. And I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts, and this is not a political uh, question. It's more one of process, I guess, but are, what's your thoughts on that? Where are we in the current environment on how government or agencies or whatever affect our, our business as business people? Well, I mean, I've seen, well, I know that there's a perception uh, that's been, that, that our lobbyist, John Pelletello, has been doing a very good job of monitoring and informing us of, in fact, I think you had him on not that long ago, one where the political climate might be one of deregulating or looking at the necessary or what licensures aren't necessary for the public safety and welfare, and we don't want to get included in that um, in order to best serve our society as as members, we all need to um, uh, make sure that our states are looking at the legislation, the proposed legislations within each of our states. If we see something that's, that's concerning, because I know like in Nebraska here, we have a lobby group down in Lincoln, and, and uh, they report to us and something concerning, then we need to uh, obviously share that with the NSPS, Government Affairs. Um, but that's one that, you know, I don't know if the concern... I just think we need to be proactive about that one. Uh, uh, other stuff I've seen where there's been some maybe halting of spending um, until uh, those government agencies report back to see if, uh, you know, if those budgets are necessary. I know there's you know, trying to cut taxes right now, but uh, I don't know if that answers the question or not. Yeah, I think so. we got a minute and a half, Mark. Okay. What are your thoughts? Well, Mine are, are similar to Danny's. Um, I don't do personally a, a lot of, of government work, and I have found that, you know, as a, a small surveying firm, I've only you know got eight people here. That uh, there isn't a lot of uh, avenues open for small firms like mine or, or Danny's right. to take advantage of that type of work. Um, I think the stack tax structure uh, certainly has been helping us. And uh, here in New Hampshire, we've got. No income tax, so it's kind of attractive, and there's no sales tax, and there's no um, service tax like that, so we've done well that way. And, uh, that, 
that no tax thing sounds like a, a weird thing to me, Dan. I don't know about you, but it sounds like it might be a cool thing if you still get get services you need. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you do here in New Hampshire, but, uh, you know, we have fees rather than taxes, I guess. Oh, I see. Yes, they still get the money, though, right? <laughs> yeah. I was just going to Google reciprocity licensure because I might just move there. Yeah. <laughs> but, we, you know, we do have uh, a business enterprise tax, so, you know, these things that aren't you know, kind of cleverly disguised, I guess, as income taxes. So, uh, right. You know, New Hampshire's got a great working environment. Uh, the only issue here we, is we're uh, going to have to go to break again, Mark. Sorry, we'll okay. pick that up when we come back. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Field books. There is a difference, and the difference is made in the USA by family-owned and operated Bogside Publishing in New Hampshire for over thirty-eight years. The family business has produced the finest, most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable field books in the land surveying and engineering industry. Demand the best from your supplier, Bogside Publishing Field Books. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Bogside Publishing. For over 38 years, this family-owned New Hampshire business has manufactured the most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable made-in-the-USA field books for the land surveying and engineering industry. And Bogside Publishing is still doing it today. Demand Bogside Field Books from your supplier or go to bogsidepublishing.com for a list of exclusive Bogside dealers. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. As we were going to break, Mark, you were talking about um, finding different ways to get your money from whether it's taxes or some other way through the states. And, and what it reminded me of is this, you know, what, one of the things we always ask, um, or it's in our mind somewhere, is and we pay a lot of taxes and that kind of thing. And sometimes we wonder, you know, what's government really doing for us as, as citizens, as business people, as individuals. Sometimes I get that same kind of question from people about, 
about NSPS. Um, and I, I'm interested in your both your thoughts about. Um, I'm sure you've probably heard those kind of things, maybe even experienced them yourself. In terms of, you know, we we as an organization, like anybody else, think we're doing doing fine. <laughs> um, but you know, from the perspective of the ones of us that that work on staff, um, but obviously that's not always the case. I, I was just curious if you hear those kind of things or what your thoughts might be about it. Well, you always have. Uh, there's always going to be a few individuals that don't think you should be long to an association. Um, As Danny had mentioned earlier, I think uh, as professionals, uh, it's my personal opinion that uh, we are obligated to uh, support our profession and supporting it through joining and participating in professional organizations such as NSPS or the New Hampshire Land Surveyors Association or what have you. What I hear a lot, though, nowadays is, um, you know, why should I join an organization when, uh, well, here in New Hampshire, we have continuing education requirement, and an individual will say, well, why should I join an organization? Because I can just go online now and, and get my credits, and um, you know, I don't need to, to uh, the New Hampshire Land Surveyors Association or NSPS in order to get my credits for uh, professional education. And, again, I remind those folks that as a profession or as a professional, uh, that obligation, and also remind them that there's a constant creep upon our profession, be it through uh, GIS or engineers or architects or um, who have you. Uh, the equipment nowadays is you know, getting uh, cheaper and cheaper or less and less expensive, I guess I should say. Uh, in the past, uh, 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 we had a lot of construction layout we used to do. That work is disappearing because these uh, construction companies are now picking up their own GPS equipment, laying out all this stuff themselves. Uh, some of them don't even know um, beyond turning it on and looking at the screen that they're at the right right spot. They don't understand control. Uh, they don't understand the mathematics behind it. Uh, so I think NSPS, New Hampshire Land Surveyors, probably the Nebraska Association, are all working to protect our profession and, and then offering, uh, again, you know, continuing education and what have you. I, yeah, I agree with you, Mark. There's a, a day-to-day change in our profession, and we're seeing it mostly driven by advancements in technology. And um, at some times, the, maybe the lack of the uh, amount of land surveyors at times. I know that we're all striving for uh, education requirements, uh, at least here in Nebraska. I see that as a, as a potential move for us as far as licensure in the future. It's been debated many times, but I'm sure it's going to come up again. The uh, um, youth aware of land surveying as a professional opportunity as they're going through high school. These are things that I see NSPS working on. Now, as far as our membership, that needs to be translated to them, conveyed to them. But they also, I think the challenge is to involve them. Um, We all know that NSPS's membership has grown substantially. I think we're over 17,000 now with the uh, 100% uh, membership across the, the states which is a great thing, but there are growing pains that go with that. Uh, 
and one is how to involve the other members. Now, being realistic, like I said earlier, a certain percentage of our state societies, as far as the membership, those are the, there's a small percentage that are, that are usually involved with the, with, the, uh, with the society. I know that's the same at NSPS, but I do know that there's a large number of our group that are knowledgeable in different areas, and we need to invite them or provide them some way, some platform to, to be involved, provide comments, be parts of committees, uh, provide answers and even questions. Um, so I think that's a challenge that we have in order to get over or past or uh, to show to others that involvement and belonging to NSPS is beneficial and rewarding and that we need to uh, just get that message across to them. Yeah, I think you hit on a really good... No, I was going to say the same thing, Mark. It is a good point to get more people involved because the, you know, the tendency is to... Hey, those guys are taking care of that. Um, but it's always a big question about how do we get our members more involved and, and participating in the programs and outreach and, and it all goes back and, you know, ultimately to, I think Dan mentioned this, the, the number of surveyors, the lack of surveyors and the question moving forward then of, uh, certainly our perception is that, that there's a, a lack. But, um, Moving forward with technology and uh, education and all the things that are coming along, uh, it's hard to put your finger on, for lack of a better question, how many are we going to need in the future, whether it's technicians or whether it's licensees. And I'm not sure if anybody knows that answer. I know that it's at least what we have now, I think, because um, I think the Bureau of Labor Statistics says there's 42,000 licensees in the country which means that we're not capturing half of them as our state and national members. So that's a big challenge. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, it's a consistent theme throughout the country is the lack of individuals out there that, I guess, number one, want to become land surveyors, and, and number two, even know what land surveying is. Um, when I was a kid, the last thing I thought about was ever becoming a land surveyor. It wasn't until I was in college and uh, was introduced to, to land surveying through some, some college classes and, and actually went to work for uh, the state of New Hampshire as a land surveyor uh, between college semesters. So it, it's it, one of the things NSPS is, is, is great at doing or is doing now is trying to introduce land surveying early on. Uh, I got involved with the... Oh, uh, guidance counselors conference for the state of New Hampshire last month and uh, set up a booth at their conference and this was you know guidance counselors that went from grade school through high school and we've actually made some pretty good contacts and we have one of our members that's going to speak at a, at a, a grade school or I guess it's a sixth through eighth grade class uh, about surveying take some equipment but we've also made some contacts at the high school level. So I think it's important that we introduce surveying uh, early on. Yeah, maybe we can find some folks that would be attracted to it. Uh, the new technology certainly is attracted to the uh, attracted to the younger people. That's a great point because I the, the steps that uh, the, the involvement with the guidance counselor associations in various states. If I'm not mistaken, that came out through NSPS or one of the states. Uh, 
associations brought that up, and it just kind of grew like wildfire that uh, this became a, a you know a process or a good direction for us to go as far as promoting the profession. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how that that took place. Uh, you know, we for for no no one can put their finger on the reason why. You know, we always talk about let's go to the math teachers or let's go to this group or let's go to that group. And the guidance counselors were kind of standing there in front of us all along, um, but but we hadn't really focused on that so much. And we we got invited a few years ago to go to the National Guidance Counselors Association, and we amazed. Uh, even before we brought the sandbox in, <laughs> we, we were amazed at how how receptive they were, and and they would say, I've, "I know ten students who are perfect to go that direction," and it's just sort of grown. Uh, it's amazing now that you know we're doing the national every year, and a lot of our states are now going to the state uh, counselors associations, and it seems to be really taking root. And you know, if you stop and think about it, what better place? to have somebody talking to kids about what their future is going to be than the guidance counselors because the teachers, not that they aren't important, they are, but they got other things going on right when they're in class. Sure. Uh, and, and so I, I just think this has been a, a great thing for us um, moving forward and, and create some good opportunities. Uh, another thing we do in New Hampshire is uh, we get involved with uh, construction career days, and it was actually something that was uh, put on by uh, the Good Roads Association here in New Hampshire that uh, they invited us to attend, and I think we've been there for the last five or six years uh, where we don't attract as much attention as uh, the guys that drive the backhoe and let the kids you know, get behind the, the backhoe and, and drive it around a little bit, but this year we had a, a drone there, and uh, and that attract a lot of attention, and hopefully, maybe uh, you know, a future surveyor. Well, I guess the question to ask in that case is: is that is that uh, machine operator going to put that machine in the right place? Somebody needs to tell him where to go. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think these are all great points, and and one even with the education at the secondary level. Um, I know in Nebraska right now, there's been concern in the past year with the one program within our state through a community college. Uh, it's being modified, meaning they're trimming back um, the program, and that's something we really, you know, we're, we don't want to see, but we really can't change it. It's, it's all driven by the, the college programming. And, yeah. But through the young surveyors, from what I've seen, and even a nephew of mine up in Wisconsin who's now working for a land surveying firm since graduating from college, his degree is in geography. Uh, one of our surveyors here in the state of Nebraska, who's now been named our new state surveyor, he'll be taking over on January 1, Casey Sherlock. His degree, if I'm not mistaken, is in mathematics. He was actually going to school to be a teacher and came across this career choice you know, during his college education. And we have other surveyors that uh, also, whether it was GIS, geography, but yet they found the surveying profession somewhere there. And to me, there's, there's, there's something there. We need to look at it and see. Hey, there are other education requirements through a four-year program. If we can modify them or add a little bit more to them and know that, yes, we, as a professional, I think it's been described before, you become a professional once you graduate and you start working with the land surveyor and you gain that knowledge. But I think there's other education requirements that will help our profession out instead of being too uh, caught up in these community college programming that are going away at times. 
right. As a matter of fact, we we got 30 seconds left before the break. But when we come back, I really do want to talk to you both about about that whole thing with education and its availability. Uh, we've had radio shows on this topic before, but I know our, our audience will be interested in your perspectives on it. Uh, in particular, the the concept of distance learning and how it's beginning to to take hold and how that will obviously have an impact on the brick-and-mortar schools that we have now and that whole dynamic. So let's go to break. We'll come back in a couple of minutes and talk about that. Field books. There is a difference, and the difference is made in the USA by family-owned and operated Bogside Publishing in New Hampshire. For over 38 years, the family business has produced the finest, most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable field books in the land surveying and engineering industry. Demand the best from your supplier, Bogside Publishing Field Books. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your back-friendly stake. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Bogside Publishing. For over 38 years, this family-owned New Hampshire business has manufactured the most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable made-in-the-USA field books for the land surveying and engineering industry. And Bogside Publishing is still doing it today. Demand Bogside Field Books from your supplier or go to bogsidepublishing.com for a list of exclusive Bogside dealers. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. back for our last segment with Dan Martinez and Mark Sargent. Thank you both for joining me today. As we were going to break, we were talking about the future and the next generation. We talked about the young surveyors. We began a little bit of a conversation about education and its availability. And uh, One of the things, uh, I think you both pointed this out, that some of our schools are having issues with maintaining enrollment. Uh, one of the big things that seems to be uh, uh, an issue right now is just the whole faculty situation of, you know, where's our next generation of faculty coming from? Um, and and then that kind of extends on to uh, something Danny mentioned about broader curriculum choices that maybe we don't have to stick exactly to the ones we've had. And, and then, of course, that brings up the idea of, okay, how much time is there after school to licensure? I've heard that mentioned a few times. Oh, my gosh, you go to school, you get a degree, you still have to wait four years before you can get a license. Um Still, that's the shortest way, uh, even where uh, uh, experience is considered. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in all your thoughts about that, uh, the availability, the, the broader curriculum, the whole idea of distance learning, those kind of things. So uh, maybe, Danny, you can start with us. Okay. Um, now, I think these are all, the way I look at them as all as opportunities because 
what we've had in the past is not sustainable, obviously, both in enrollment, um, and that there are various reasons for that, I'm sure, but also from the financial side of it, from the economics of running a university or college, they've had to make their choices and their decisions. So we've seen, and there are examples of young professionals now in, in surveying that have done it through kind of a diversified education background, but also getting involved in surveying. And again, depending on the state, they have to uh, they have a period of time after graduating to gain additional hands-on training through another land surveyor before they can, um, be licensed in their states. And distance learning. It seems to be working in a lot of other areas, and I think we have to look at it. I don't know if it is an answer, but it definitely could solve some problems that various regions have where there aren't programs available, and it's not likely for someone to move out of state to, to pursue and educate that education if they can do it online, and the, uh, the criteria is met, and, they, you know, why not? Yeah, and I... And I wholeheartedly agree with you, Danny, and you hear quite often now, unfortunately, a lot of the survey programs throughout the country either closing down or just hanging on by a shoestring uh, because they have, they don't have the students they need to, to support the program financially, unfortunately. I uh, ran into a kind of a, a, a unique situation, was uh, attended an event down in the southern part of the state. And it was at this uh, company that installs uh, home entertainment systems, and they were running into the same problem uh, as we are. They just could not find people that wanted to work in the home entertainment installation business. So they started their own school, and they had a group. Uh, I think the, the guy told me there's five or six different firms scattered regionally. Uh, this was in southern New Hampshire, so it'd be you know, in, into Massachusetts and such. And uh, they have 13 to 14 students. They run a program that runs six months. Uh, they charge a fee. And the individuals that participate, or the individual companies that participate in this program, you know, send up a guy to, uh, to, to help teach this course so they offset some of the, uh, the time that's needed to, to teach this. And it's been very successful. And they've uh, able to uh, attract uh, enough people to, to keep the program viable and to have technicians to do the work that's out there. Uh, maybe it's something that we could work on on a regional basis. I know it's uh, far-fetched at this point, but at some point I, I think we're going we're gonna to be there. In New Hampshire here, the program at UNH recently, uh, the professor that ran that program for, well, he was uh, my college professor when I was down there, so it was a number of years ago, recently retired, and uh, the program is kind of floundering right now. And it's being held together by uh, uh, individuals that are coming in. Uh, they're not part of the university system, but they're, they're teaching the surveying courses. Uh, so uh, I think it's happening not just here in New Hampshire, but, but all over the place. Well, I think you make a good point about that what I'll refer to as a practical act uh, background for instructors at, at some level, not necessarily every level, but uh, I think we suffer sometimes because the people who have that practical knowledge and could be could participate in the learning process and the teaching process are 
eliminated from doing that because of criteria and set by the school for whatever their reasons are. You know, they uh, we have the accreditation process, and I hear sometimes people say, well, the accreditation process is great, and you need to verify that your program is good and solid, but is it based more on the infrastructure or is it based more on the end result? Um, so I think those are the things NSPS is going to have to, to think about going forward and look at what is the best way for us to pursue all of those avenues, the infrastructure of the schools, the uh, the practical experience background, uh, all of those kind of things, and their, their accreditation side that really is important for the surveying profession, um, not necessarily whether it fits into a particular box. I, I don't know if I stated that well enough. But. No, no, I think, and that's, I think Danny's point exactly is uh, you don't necessarily have to start out thinking you're going to be a surveyor to become one. Um, and I, the emphasis uh, at the national level has been a four-year or, or trying to push for a four-year requirement to become a licensed individual. And, and, I, and I think that's something we really need to have more discussions about and possibly rethink because of the, the lack of licensed individuals we have. Um, the other thing I don't think we're doing a good job at uh, both here in New Hampshire and, and maybe even on the national level is is spending time on our technicians uh, because we need technicians and uh, they're far and few between. I agree. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you guys about that because I hear that all the time. Everybody I talk to says uh, the the last downturn in the economy wiped out our technicians and they didn't come back. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, if you're seeing that, but certainly, as you pointed out, uh, both of you did, that those are the kind of things NSPS should be focusing on. Um, obviously, keeping our mind on where we are as a profession and as a professional organization, but all of the elements of our future recruiting, criteria, education, all of those things. Sure. And, uh, here uh, up in the Northeast, it, it's hard to find anybody that uh, will come wants to come to work for you. Uh, getting to the point where if you want to find an employee, you've got to almost steal it from somebody else, which... <laughs> well, I was going to ask you both what you think we need to do about that situation, so I'm not sure stealing somebody's employees is... <laughs> Is the one that'll work, <laughs> but that, but it is a big challenge for NSPS, and I, I, you know, what what are your thoughts on that? I, you know, it it is a challenge. Um, as Mark mentioned, it comes down to finding other qualified people, and those qualified people are likely working for another firm already. And I think the only way we get past this is a better, an improved system of, of, of contacting and making, like you said, through the guidance counselors or whatever, we have to promote it at a younger age. And I think, like Mark even indicated, I agree with him, that NSPS position currently uh, has been at a four-year program and land surveying should be established in each, each of the states. I know there's just a diversity of different requirements right now, but we need to look at that from a practical standpoint, too. Um, so in order to change what we have now, I, I think that's the direction we have to really invest our time in, but at the same time, uh, look at some short-term answers. And 
And uh, that's Mark hiring someone from a competitor, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We won't say that out loud. No, I'm <laughs> so I, I, I don't I agree know. with you, Ben. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you, Danny. And um, the, the short-term fix—it's it, going to be tough. And we start, you know, what we need to do is start looking at the long term. And the long term is bringing people up through the ranks, uh, getting to the young folks early on, be it you know grade school, high school. Um, I'm not quite sure where to get people and, and, and make sure that these programs uh, both the college and the technical level don't fail right yeah that's true and it's interesting I've mentioned this on the show uh, in previous shows about the concept back from ACSM years ago and then NSPS at one time was we need to start all these regional schools because they're if we have too many then none of them will succeed and we ended up going the other way <laughs> Um so uh, we certainly are going to have a challenge going going ahead for sure, and uh, so I'm just I'm I'm very pleased to see folks of the caliber, both of you guys, stepping up and wanting to be part of that that uh, I won't say upper level of of leadership, but certainly the the, the officership level because uh, we need folks who kind of grasp that whole concept and not, not that other people don't but at least you've stated that you do um, that we have to be diverse really in how we look at these these issues and engaging more people in that conversation and I, I think that NSPS is, is I mean the wheels are in motion and I see the, the members that are involved in some of our more active committees taking a leading role and how some of them are in the leadership of NSPS and I just feel strongly that NSPS is the connecting point for all the professional surveyors across the United States, and we just need to convey that. Because an example I use is the FEMA subcommittee that I help, I, I co-chair. But there is, we're going to be launching a bulletin board, and that's thanks to Jim Netto. That platform is going to be a, a place for members to connect, to share information and questions regarding all floodplain-related activities. And through that, I think our, our group will be relied upon for knowledge and information from others uh, uh, within FEMA and others that are looking for our guidance as professionals. But it gives our members a chance to voice and share their knowledge. And they may not serve on the, as a director, but they're, they're serving our profession on others. Very true. Well, Mark, in 45 seconds, your final thoughts. Well... As I stated earlier, I, I think our, our biggest concern as a profession is uh, the survival of, of our profession. And by increasing educational opportunities, by attracting young people, and providing opportunities for these young people to thrive in both our organization and as professionals, I think we can do that. I think NSPS uh, can serve as a clearinghouse for flushing out all these ideas. Very true. Well, the last thing I'll say is to all our listeners, vote now if you haven't already. And thank you both for being with me today. It's been a great conversation. Thanks, I really appreciate it. Thank uh, you. Danny, nice talking with you. Same, Mark. Take care, guys. Bye. Field books. There is a difference, and the difference is made in the USA by family-owned and operated Bogside Publishing in New Hampshire. 
For over 38 years, the family business has produced the finest, most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable field books in the land surveying and engineering industry. Demand the best from your supplier, Bogside Publishing Field Books. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.